When you think of blues bands, Fleetwood Mac probably isn't the first name that comes to mind. Before Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham joined the group, the band had a very different tone to it and a slightly different name. Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac featuring Jeremy Spencer was the group's original name, and writing and covering blues music was their game. 1968, Peter Green wrote a song inspired by All Your Love by Otis Rush, as well as Green's own song, I Loved Another Woman. The song would become a modest success for the band, reaching number 37 on the UK Singles Chart. It would later become a huge success for the band Santana. This piece remains a concert staple for both bands, despite Peter Green leaving Fleetwood Mac in 1970. Green's departure may have been a direct result of this song. In an interview with Rolling Stone, Christine McVie said the release of this song led to Green befriending people who were heavily into psychedelics and spiritual practices. Green's experiences with LSD led him away from Fleetwood Mac, and in the mid-70s he spent time in psychiatric hospitals after being diagnosed with schizophrenia. Green returned to music in 1979 and worked with a variety of musicians, including Fleetwood Mac. He formed the Peter Green Splinter Group in the late 90s and released nine blues albums largely written by himself with the group. In 2009, Green began touring again under the band name Peter Green and Friends. On July 25th, 2020, Peter Green passed away in his sleep at the age of 73. The cause of death has not currently been released to the public. Today, we celebrate the life of Peter Green on Cover Me by discussing Black Magic Woman. I got a black magic woman. I got a black magic woman. Yes, I got a black magic woman. Got me so blind I can't see. That's right. It's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions, compares them against one another to find out which one has my magic sticks. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my Black Magic co-host, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, how are you doing today? I'm doing uh, Blackened. No, that's not right. Um, hmm... I burnt a piece of toast, so that's where mm, my black I magic see. comes you're, from. You're trying to you're trying to pull black magic. That's a black <laughs> magic of its own. In, in Bird a sense. goes in, black bread brick comes out. Bread goes Can't in. Explain that. Soot, just pile of soot. It's a soot. Check your toaster setting after you move from one house to another. That's all I'm saying. That's it's dangerous. Yeah, that's today's PSA: check yeah. your toaster settings when you move. Sometimes the dial gets bumped around. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Alex! Alex. Before we get into the, to the, the intro meat of this episode, today marks a special occasion, as this is the 100th episode of 100. Cover Me. That's almost two years. That's, that is four episodes away from two years, baby. That's pretty cool. That's that a nice round cool. number. 104 is not as round, but almost as significant. Let's yeah. celebrate both of these. We Oh, we for sure will. I'm pissed. I just came to me today. I was like, oh, shit, have we done our 99th episode yet? Because we could do 99 red balloons. But we can't. Because oh, yeah, last week's episode that. is that. <sighs> That's sad. It is sad. It's sad. It's frustrating. It's you got to think struggles. ahead. That's a problem. We never think ahead on this podcast. Hmm. Except when it comes to celebrity deaths, baby. That's why we're talking about Fleetwood That's why Mac. we're being proactive at killing celebrities. Mm-hmm. They don't know the cause of death for Peter Green, but I do. Mm. Um, Alex, what is your familiarity with, uh, let me get the full band title, Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac featuring Jeremy Spencer? Um, 
Well, now that you've I didn't realize that that was the whole name. So now that you've said the whole name, it sounds like a joke, because obviously Peter Green is in the band, Mick Fleetwood's in the band, and this Jeremy Spencer character's in the band. Uh, and then, like, a bassist who is later John McVie. Yeah, so, like, is that is that a joke? That they're, like, just kind of listing all the different members in the band in different ways? Was that, like, was it possible that because... It was, the, like, it was the start of the band. These guys had already been with uh, other bands. I believe is Blues Breaker or something to that effect. So they like these guys were all coming from previous bands, and so maybe when they're like, "Okay, we got to put out a record." If we just put out Fleetwood Mac, some like one dude's gonna recognize the, the last name Fleetwood and be like, "Dude, this Fleetwood Mac." But for everyone else, they're like, well, if we gotta put we gotta put as many names in here as possible so that we can we can get everybody in there. Yeah, know. they were That's with John like Mayall's and the Blues Breakers was the where Oh uh, John Mayall. Yeah, where He could have uh, played the blues with John Mayall. John Mayall. That's right. With and some so far it's... out exciting jazz with blood, sweat, and tears. That's Frank Zappa on the mic. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> I love that. I honestly like when I think about Frank Zappa, I think more about the sound bites than I think I do the actual music sometimes. It's, it kind of sticks in your head, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy Spencer, Jeremy Spencer, he like joined a cult and stuff. So I don't know much about him, but oh yeah, called the Children of God, now known as the Family International, with which he is still affiliated. So he's still alive, age seventy-two. That's fun. Um, but in terms of what I actually know about the band practically, it's like this song. It's like a it's a it's a trivia bit. It's like, oh, they're playing some Santana. Oh, uh, you know, he didn't actually write this song. Like Yeah, it's that's the pretty classic much it. like this bit, the the man who sold the world, like all of those songs where the the cover got a lot of traction later in mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. Love hurts. This flight Love tonight. Hurts. Yeah. Etc. Another song. Cover Third me, baby. That's what we talk about. We know about covers. It's it's gotten to the point a hundred episodes in where I forget that everybody doesn't know what we know about cover music. <laughs> right. It's I, I think a low self esteem issue that anytime I gain knowledge, I assume it is of so little value that everyone knows Surely, it. Surely, yeah, everyone must know it, right? I'm right there with you. And then I'll like have to stop myself and be like, okay, hang on. What do you know about this really specific thing? And everyone's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Just start from the beginning. Okay, good. All right, great. Yeah, so early Fleetwood Mac is a enigma to me. I once downloaded the entire discography of Fleetwood Mac. We'll say legally for the purposes of this being uh, released to the public. Sure, sure. And, like, you see those albums. Like, I remember seeing the title, The Green Man Alishi. And some other things. I was like, that's fucking wacky. And then I just didn't listen to any of that because it wasn't, you know, like Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not to mention, um, well, I will mention it now, I guess. That's a weird saying. So um, to mention. So to mention, um, their first album after changing their lineups or after changing their lineup significantly was called Fleetwood Mac. So it was like a start, start over, you know? Yeah. It's like a pass go and collect $200 kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So and the band was, was already moderately yeah. successful. I think I I thought I heard a trivia bit like every single Fleetwood Mac album ever has all gone to number one or something. Is that true? I mean, I don't I, know I if know that's th- true. 
It's, that sounds insane. I forgot to double check that. It sounds insane, right? But like even back before Buckingham next um, changed the direction Damn. completely. Or yeah, changed direction. Now you got me looking at that. Now I got to double check that because I've just pulled that out of somewhere deep in my brain. Yeah. Um, and I don't really know if it's like true, true. And then they're like, and the like I'm just kind of going off the research I did for this album, where like they hit 37 on the charts with this single. Like they were not maybe like not the biggest band, but they were definitely like in people's yeah, minds. Yeah, they had hits. People knew who they were. They, they were getting fans. radio play. They were around. We've and talked so then, about them before in this form just yeah. a couple weeks ago. Well, I say a couple weeks ago because it doesn't look very, like very much on this um, by scrolling down, but it was like a couple months. Are you talking about when we did Landslide? Because that was a year ago. No, Tutti Fruity. we talked about. Oh, yeah. We talked about uh, Peter Green flew with me. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. So the, they are one of the best-selling bands of all time. That's, that's all I can pull from the Wikipedia uh, on the fly here. But yeah, early Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac featuring Jeremy Spencer is, a, is an enigma to me until I found out that he did Black Magic Woman, which I think I found out last week when he died. Mysterious causes. Yeah, I didn't know. Actually, I'm looking at the studio albums, and the first one listed is Fleetwood Mac, so I wonder if they actually were... Oh, no. There is an actual 1968 Fleetwood Mac album. Yeah, they do have albums. This is a number four. Yeah, no. So this was a load of shit, but... load of shit. They might have been talking about, like, like uh, post Nick Buckingham. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So not knowing who said that, when they said it, when I heard it, when it found its way into my brain, I'm not going to stand behind that comment in the slightest. But hey, it's if, if it turns out to be true, Alex knew all along, and we're a great podcast, gives five stars on iPodcasts, I whatever it's, be... it's called, that. <laughs> Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Give us as many stars as you can. Yeah, we star us up, baby. This is our game of Mario Party, and we need stars. Oh, fuck, do we ever need stars? Gonna... And reviews. Review us, you fucking cowards. Write two good words about us and ten bad ones. Give us five stars. Call it a fucking day. That doesn't sound like Mario Party at all. That's that's what you do in Mario Party, isn't it? <laughs> it's a game about reviewing your opponents, right? Wario, not very good opponents. Half star. a star. Ooh, half a star. All right. Uh, one of the later Mario Parties, you can divide the stars. It's, you know... I only played the yeah. I didn't play the later ones very much. I'm full of shit. You That's can't actually. Be a, do that. What? Okay. Okay, Alex. As, let let let's let my shock bridge us into the next segment, which is talking about the lyrics, baby. Which oh boy, this is easy. Do you guys it remember is. the song Witchy Woman? We talked about it two Halloweens ago. That we did. Um, that we did. Guess what? That's basically this. Song. I remember. Yeah. Not a whole lot is different. Um, and it's it's a blues song, pretty like so, heavily rooted in the blues, or at least the sort of late sixties um, British, I guess, blues tradition at that mm-hmm. point, um, which grew out of the American blues tradition. Yeah, did I mention that uh, Peter Green was focused on like emotional guitar playing? He wanted his guitar to, I guess, gently weep. He wanted it to provoke emotional responses. You did not mention like that. Or if emotions. you did, I forgot. No, I'm just looking. I, I had it in the intro at one point. I edited it. I actually took the time today to write an intro oh. more than 10 minutes before we were going to record. Nice. 
I think it's one of my worst intros, so you know what? <laughs> What's that tell you? Keep it up, man. I believe in you. Thank you. So yeah, Black Magic Woman, you're right. It's like it's very and it's very ambient. And we get like a three minute track here. I was actually watching a Fleetwood Mac documentary about rumors, and they talked briefly about like early Fleetwood Mac and how blues music is much more of a live performance because so much of it is based on like improvisation and like like feeling the music kind of thing. Yeah, I believe that. And we kind of, especially, well, when it comes to this kind of stuff, when there's a lot of solos and we do it to jazz a lot, talk some shit because of that. But a lot in a lot of those cases, it would be a lot more interesting, not as a recording, but as a, a live performance. Yeah, where you, uh, there's more, uh, more like opportunity or willingness to get sucked into the music. Mm-hmm. Where in particularly in our listening format, where we're like, we have to, we charged ourselves to say, is this good? Yeah, oh, yeah. Good like, solo. Like I'm sitting in a in a room in suburban Calgary, like versus being in like a sweaty room basement or something, you know. And there's a guy with a guitar. Like it's very different. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. So we don't need to tell people in in these times how different things are in person. Yeah, we've all been. Yeah, y'all right. y'all know. And things, yeah, things have changed. All uh, right, let's let's take these lyrics straight to the dome, Alex, because yeah. they're easy lyrics as shit. Sung by Greg Rowley, Raleigh. Um, that's on the uh, Santana version. I'm pretty sure he sings in both. Does he sing it in both? Yeah. Alex, where do you pull these facts from? I thought they had the same guy. Let me let's let's double check this. Greg Rowley would have been in America. That's what my first um in nine like on Wikipedia it says in 1970 he became hit by Santana as sung by Greg Rowley. Um, did I? I assumed it was Peter Green. Oh, I don't no. know if he sings. No, you're right. I I fucked that up. Um, yeah, it says Peter Green was an English blues rock singer songwriter. Here we go. No, yeah, Danny Kerwan. Was Danny Kerwan after singing Green on this? left the band? Hang on. Okay, never mind. I I thought that was a thing, but I was totally wrong. I can't read. I guess. Yeah, I guess Alex. Just fuck it. Just bold claims this episode. I can't wait to see what you come up with next. Um, it's gonna be juicy. It's gonna be some foreigner shit. You're like, actually, this track was written by God. <laughs> Didn't you know? Um, alright, so, whoever the fuck is singing, Peter Green, maybe, I don't know. I don't know, who fucking knows. He says uh, this, though. Got a black magic woman. I got a black magic woman. Yes, I got a black magic woman. She's got me so blind I can't see, but she's a black magic woman, and she's trying to make a devil oh, out of me. me. Uh, so you got that blues repetition where you kind of say the thing uh, twice because the first two bars, you don't change chords. So you don't change what you say. Mm-hmm. There you go. Right. 12-bar blues structure. We'll get more into right, that maybe. later. But the lyrics kind of follow that, too. Um, this is it three times, in fact. Um, and then, she, you know, he's, he's like, you can't see because he, he's blind, I guess. Yeah, blinded by love or lust, by love, maybe. Yeah, by something. By a woman or magic, perhaps. By magic. Um, I think magic is a metaphor for either horniness or, or love. 
something like that. I'm going to assume horniness because uh, I think he talks about his penis in the second verse. I think that's the magic he... stick. Yeah. She's trying to make a devil out of me. She's trying to get me to do bad shit, which, uh, I, you know. She's, she's, it's she's it's a tale girl. as old as time. A tale that we tell. A tale where a woman makes a man, influences a man to do evil. Yeah. It's a cliche. It's a cliche. It's a classic cliche. First two, don't turn your back on me, baby. Don't turn your back on me, baby. Don't turn your back on me, baby. Yes! Don't turn your back on me, baby. You're That's messing around with your tricks. Don't turn your back on me, baby, because you might just break up my magic stick. Magic stick, quite possibly a penis. Um. So despite the fact that he knows this girl is bad, he doesn't want her to leave. Don't turn your back on me, baby. And, uh... Tricks, apparently. So she's she's a prostitute. Oh, maybe. Um, possibly. Possibly. Uh, yeah, you're messing around with your tricks. He, he knows he's being played for a fool, but he's horny for it. There's nothing he can do about it because of the magic. Yeah, and, and if magic. she leaves, he might never get an erection again. Or his dick might snap? I don't know. Is Both? that your read on the second verse? Both, yeah. It sounds like there's a broken penis involved. Yeah. Moving on to verse three. You got your spell on me, baby. You got your spell on me, baby. Yes! You got your spell on me, baby. You're turning my heart into stone. I need you so bad, magic woman. I can't leave you alone. Again, lots of repetition. Oh, no. Yeah, a little less this time. The second verse has quite a bit. Yeah, it's stacked. It really doesn't want that, that back turned. If you know what I'm saying. I'm sorry. Yeah, is that the other thing? Is that if she turns around, her butt's gonna slap his dick? <laughs> Jumping back to first two for a second there. Yeah, he really doesn't want that for some reason. His, his penis is fragile, is my understanding of the second yeah. verse. Yeah, I guess that's the problem. That's why there's breaking. That's that's the danger. It's a yeah. body weight thing, I think. Um, and also turn his heart to stone, which generally would mean that he, like, can't love anymore. Yeah. Because because she's leaving him, I guess, and he's like, it's going to be your fault. I won't be able to love again. Yeah. It's a very blamey song. And I can't leave you alone. He's a little clingy in this one. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And lots of outro. I need you so bad. I need need you, you darling. darling. I need you, darling. I want you to love me. Whoa, I want Want you to love love me. me. Yeah. Whoa, baby. So in case, in case you were confused, like, if, if you listen to the first three verses, you're like, what the love fuck so is bad. going on in this song? What is a black magic woman? It's just he, somebody he needs badly who he wants to love him. Boom. We got it. But, and he needs them. Does he, does he love them? He needs their um, love. He wants them. He needs them. And, I, I, I mean, his heart is turning to stone, so maybe there ain't no way he's ever going to love them, Alex. But listen. <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad. And that's what we're working with here. At least two. That's what we're working with here. Um, so, with that, Alex, we're going to jump right into the instrumentation, which you've got some, some strong opinions on, I've heard. You are? No, huh? you, you were just ready to talk about 12 Bars Blue, so I figured I'd give you the... Well, that's what we're working with here, you know? Uh, uh-huh. You got your 12 Bar Blues, which generally sticks in the first several, uh, you know, speaking of broad strokes... 
starts with a lot of repetitions of the same chord. You know, the tonic chord. And then you go to your... Um, then you change chords for like yeah. a bit. And then you go back to the tonic. And then you change chords to your, your like dominant thing, right? Yeah. I'm trying not to use technical terms here. Here, so to Too break much. that down, this is set in the key of D minor, so your tonic is D minor, and then the other two chords which you've referred to are A minor and G minor in this piece, um, and they all got the little seven floating above them, so it's a D minor seven, A minor all seven, seven, G minor That's seven. what you do in blues music, don't you know? Yeah, buddy. It's all about the seventh. Um, so that's kind of your, your journey as you... Oh, yeah, and then you change chords quite rapidly at the end. There you go, you're like... Five four one, you know, yeah. pattern. Um, and then you're like turnaround, which is what happens at the end. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of repetition in the song when you go back to that that tonic chord. Yeah, buddy. It's it, but it makes for an excellent like rhythmic structure. There's a so on this song we got two guitars, a bass guitar, and drums. And the bass and the drums, I find, do a lot of heavy lifting in this to set a sort of mood. Yeah, I was actually a little bit surprised. Um, most, like, when I went into another version, mm-hmm. or after listening to this, didn't think too much of, like, the bass. Um, but then, on different versions, noticed it a lot more and then kind of realized how important it actually was. Like the yeah. rhythm is playing, it's just playing like a ba-doom, 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 ba-doom. It's actually yeah, yeah it's... doing a fair amount. Like it's really holding it down. Yeah, it's the... interesting because, like you said, it holds it down, but it really doesn't. Like you pay attention more to the the singing and like the guitar going. Yeah, yeah, and that's front and center. But like without the other stuff, it 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 wouldn't feel the same. Yeah, it would feel completely different. So that's important. There's also, a, I believe, a like rhythm guitar. Yeah, two guitars on this. So one doing rhythm, one doing the sort of lead. And that lead guitar is playing along the same uh, role as the, the vocals play. Mm-hmm. It's a, what, the, what, what Wikipedia is telling me is called homophonic. Oh, I see. And that means means uh, the voice and lead guitar take the lead role together. Oh, so I see what both, you're saying. They both play that part. They kind of like trade off a lot. Yeah, And it's, exactly. it's a Peter Green Fleetwood Mac song, so there's a lot of soloing. Um, yeah, and also, and of course, blues, so like a lot of soloing. Yes, blues. So there's, we skipped over kind of right at the beginning something that actually does set the mood, I think, pretty good. And that's mm-hmm. that opening chord. Yeah. Um, and it's that very, bow. yeah, it's like very bright. And very, like, like, there's, like, no bass in it, basically. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, totally it, stripped to the point out. where I wasn't even sure if it was a guitar at first. And I'm still not quite sure, but I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, I, I think it is. Like, it sounds strummed, and it, but it's just, like, a, a lot of high frequencies. And mm-hmm. um, supposedly he, like, Peter Green, that is, Rode the volume knob. That's a quote from the Wikipedia article um, when he was playing the song to give it that sound. So you can kind of hear the way it pulses mm. um, at different points. I think that's what that is, more so than like a filter or something, because this is 68, so I don't think that would be as easy to come by. Okay, so he's doing a trick with the volume knob that's giving it that like... Meow. 
I, that's my guess. Right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um. Yeah. So you get that at the opening, and then it's uh. After that, is it just guitar? Does everything else come in? I think everything comes in pretty fast. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Like it, yeah. It does its ring right. Out it does a then... sharp hit on the drums, and then we cut into like your standard yeah. instrumentation. He starts to sing for like a couple words, like the first line, and then everything jumps. Yeah, and the the to point out the drums, what what makes them a significant contributor is their emphasis on the toms. It's a lot heavier drum hits than say a standard four four rock jam. Yeah, it does sound very, and it's kind of interesting because the drums are like so much in the low end, and mm -hmm. uh, like the guitar is much much higher, and it sounds. I mean, it's what sixty eight, so it definitely sounds a lot less like full just because it's that older style. Of like older technology, um, yeah, it's got that really like bright sound to it. Um, but the drums really kind of have a good rumble. Um, mm -hmm. And I swear I had something else to add to that. Oh yes, the drum actual drum like pattern. It's kind of sticking with like a boom, boom, tss, boom, boom, tss, kind of rhythm yeah, as opposed to the... like a, a straight, straighter like rock type beat. Yeah. Yeah, it is. A, it, yeah, it's it's different, and it's part of what really sets the tone of this piece is those drums. Interesting fact about the guitars you mentioned: they are definitely higher than the drums, but <laughs> apparently they were slightly below standard pitch on this recording. Oh, really? I guess. Yeah. I guess that can like make something sound a little darker as long as mm -hmm. it's not everything tuned lower. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, like, structurally, we kind of talked about this when we talked about, uh, NIB by Black Sabbath. Mm -hmm. It's very much that blues rock structure where you have, you know, these, like, the verse segment, and then there's, like, a solo segment, and then it's back to the verse, back to the solo. Like, this is even, I would say, even simpler than NIB. Mm -hmm. And then near the end, we get the sort of, like, blues jam segment. Yes, that's an interesting segment. Like, that's kind of for the outro. Yeah. And they totally change up the rhythm here. Um, there's yeah, the drum switch notes. to the cymbals. Yeah. Um, the rhythm guitar goes a little higher. The lead guitar starts screaming a little more on a sort of call and response with the vocals. And the, the bass is a little more aggressive. It's a little more upbeat. Yes, and they're like kind of swinging the rhythm here too. Yeah, the drums being like so yeah, it really changes the feel at the end. Mm-hmm. But like, super simple blues song overall. Yeah, and I wonder how long they drag it out in live shows. I would hazard a guess that they drag it out quite long in their live I'd, shows. I'd say like at least three times as long. Nine minutes would be my guess. Are you looking at a live a live recording that's nine minutes long? No, that's literally just me guessing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, just based on uh, Tutti Frutti. Like, that's a really short song, and they made it quite long, so. Oh, oh yeah, Tutti Frutti has fucking less going on than this song. <laughs> yeah, so, and it's shorter, and they made it almost seven minutes. So... I could see them. I could see them playing this for like hours. Oh yeah, days even. Uh, but 
the song itself, like, is fairly... It's kind of one of those... Like I said, like, it's, it's kind of a cliche thing, you know? The, this, like, kind of manipulative, powerful woman that has captivated this helpless man. Um, yeah. It's a story we hear a lot, and, and those kinds of... It's kind of that, like, universal... Well, I hate to call it a universal experience. We've <laughs> all experienced is a black magic woman. Yes, of course. But it definitely, like, is... Has, like, broad enough recognition that people could... I don't want to say relate to it, but, like, they get it. They know this story. So it kind yeah, of disseminated from there, I think. It's like how everybody knows the boy who cried wolf, right? We we don't all necessarily know somebody who is a, right. is, is a boy who has literally been on watch for wolves and has cried that. But with the concept is very familiar to us. Yeah, I don't think I know any witches, but you never know. They're everywhere out there, man. Like I think it was fucking news somewhere. I think it was last week or the week before that baby witches had tried to hex the moon. That sounds all right. What? It's apparently not all right. Oh, what do they? What do they want to do? Apparently, it makes Apollo very mad. It's weird though, because apparently you also can't hex the moon. But if you try to hex the moon, oh, it's trouble, baby. Because of Apollo? Yeah, because well, the, the Apollo's sister runs the fucking moon. So when her moon is hexed, she can't fucking moon stuff properly. I guess. Is so Apollo gets mad. And Apollo runs the sun, so he's just gonna, I don't know, crash that into us or something. Is Artemis Apollo's sister? It might, must be. Artemis Fowl. Yeah. Did you watch yeah, that yeah, movie? Yeah. I didn't. N- no, I did not, and I refused to. Yeah, they're twins. Apollo and Artemis. Anyway. Yeah, big news a couple weeks back there. But then you read it all and you go, but wait a second. Witchcraft isn't fucking real. And wait a minute. You kind of go on with your day. Yeah. But it's fun. It's fun. It's a fun, good time. Alex, is there anything else to say about this version? I, I don't have a ton to say. Like, there's some cool effects, and he definitely plays in an interesting way. Like, but I think it's another case of that playing style was so influential in its day that everything afterwards used it. Right. So, like, and, yeah. rock and roll from the 70s, as we are much more familiar with, um, like they use all these techniques and potentially improve on them. So none of this is like a shock, really. Like it's not, he's not doing anything totally different, it, but it's like respectable because it's early enough. I'm not saying he invented anything. I honestly don't know enough about music history, but like if he did, I wouldn't care that much just hearing this version of the song. Yeah, Peter Green was a big guitar influence. A lot of guitarists uh, sort of cite him as being the best. Here I have a quote here. Um, Green's songs have been recorded by artists such as Santana, Aerosmith, Status Quo, Black Crows, Midge Ear, Tom Petty, Judas Priest, and Gary Moore. Um, Many rock guitarists have cited Green as an influence, including Gary Moore, Joe Perry of Aerosmith, Andy Powell of Wishbone Ash, and Noel Gallagher and Radiohead bassist Colin Greenwood. Um, So a lot of people who went on to become famous musicians cite Peter Green as an influence. So I don't think you're off base in saying that this song in particular may have had, you know, that sort of foundational influence. If not inventing anything, certainly being one of the better examples of that thing that then inspired later things. That sounds right. 
all that to say, hey, Black Magic Woman, it's good. It's a very atmospheric, like, horny piece. Yeah, particularly, I think, like, that old sound, kind of like, it's not really lo-fi, or not on purpose anyway, it's just, like, old technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of adds to it, I think. Yeah, kind of that's that, a like, certain dilapidated that... feel just because it feels old, because it is. Yeah. Now, that it wasn't true at ancient. the time, but it's true now. It's true now, and that's, we're talking about it now, so that's what matters. What we're going to talk about next is our first cover in the year 1970 by a little-known band called Santana. Got a black magic woman Got a black magic woman I've got a black magic woman Got me so blind I can Santana. And Santana is actually covering two songs here. Yes, but we only talked about, um, or only one of them was there. That's incorrect, Alex. This opens with an intro that is. The intro is is actually based on that? Yes. He plays it afterwards. He plays it after. So, yeah, it's sandwiched by Gypsy Queen, the song by uh, Gabor Zabo. It's a 1966 instrumental piece. And, like, they fit, they, they fit them together very well because this version of the song pretty much became the definitive version after yeah. this Yeah, it is out. the definitive version. I went to, oh, I, like, I, I go, yeah. I find stuff on Song Facts, and usually it has the correct artist listed as the original. And you look up this one, it's like, oh, by Santana. I'm like, well, no, it's by Peter Green. Then the first fact is like, it's by Peter Green! I'm like, yeah, fuck off. (laughs) Uh, Um, Real quickly, uh, Santana is a San Francisco rock band formed in 1966 by Carlos Santana, who's a Mexican-American guitarist and songwriter. This version is sung by Greg Rowley, who is also the keyboardist for the band. This is from their second album. Um, and he also and, went on yes. to be a member of Journey. That's right. That's fun. And so, yeah, this hit number four on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1971, which is significantly better than 37 in the UK singles chart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in this version, it's we kind of amp up some of the things we talked about in the original. Like, the percussion plays a large role in the original. And this one, we bring in a lot more Latin percussion, percussion elements. We get some conga, some timbales. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that. Uh, yeah, timbales. Timbales. That makes way more sense. And we get some organ and piano on this. Yeah, so it, like, keeps that sort of blues feeling particularly with the organ um but it's kind of more and i mean i don't have the the capability to do an analysis on this but i believe a lot of the chords like while it keeps that blues structure mm-hmm. there's a lot of like more complex like kind of jazzy chords like jazz so influence a slightly stuff. altered chord pattern yeah. uh d minor seven a minor seven d minor seven G minor 7, D minor, A minor, D minor. Occasionally mixing between the Dorian and Aeolian modes, especially in the song's intro. Yeah. That's just me quoting some some music babble that I don't really understand. I half understand it. A little bit. Yeah, and also there's a lot of, like, layered rhythms, as you mentioned. So that that gives it a different feeling. Um, Very interesting feeling, really. But 
as much as it's like different from other stuff that you hear at the time particularly from like rock and roll it's the song is so like i've heard the song so much it doesn't feel different because it's it's just this song it's what this song does it's like drinking two different brands of water. It's like there should be a difference, but you know, yeah. at the end of the day, it's just water, right? Like you can like, break down the chemicals, but like if you've been drinking it your whole life, it's just going to be water. Mm-hmm. Or if they're, you know, whatever, if you add shit to it. I mean, obviously water, anyway. I mean, yeah, there, uh, like some water does taste significantly different. We assume there's water, other like, things in the water. So yeah, like so it's cool. This... It's cool to think about, it. and it's not something I'd really thought about listening to this song before. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because they do keep it like within kind of that blues feeling, um, like structure. Yeah, and it doesn't like necessarily break out in a noticeable way. I definitely noticed this version of the song as compared to. Even the, like, we talked about Santana way back in Riders on the Storm. Yeah, that's and, right, with the terrible version there. Yeah, we didn't really like that, because we said he's basically just, like, jerking off his guitar the entire time for these I think solos. that's a direct quote. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, but this doesn't feel like that. This is much more subtle. Yeah. As much as he's doing, like, some impressive guitar work, and if you watch the live version, you can see that he he's doing a fair amount of work um it doesn't it doesn't really sound that way like it sounds good but you don't notice how much is going into it yeah especially because some of the more intense musical segments aren't on the single version which is primarily what we looked at this week that's true it's in that it's in that uh, gypsy queen outro which is like an extra two minutes of the song and it's very it's quite intense and quite layered there's a lot of music going on in there Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting thing just about the, like, regular part, um, is a lot of the time he's actually on the guitar, like, kind of playing a rhythm part, and then he'll go into, like, some little licks and stuff, but he really lets, like, the rest of the song kind of sit, and he lets the the vocals kind of do their own thing. Um, mm-hmm. he's not trying the guitar doesn't really try to take it over so it yeah it really fits together well and there are yeah. still solos and they sound good they're good solos like yeah notably after the second verse because i think the first two verses are kind of stuck together this time yeah um also we changed the line to magic sticks which Sticks, sounds he's got multiple less less like a dick unless he's it, it, talking about multiple dicks. Maybe he's talking about his fingers now. Magic yeah, sticks. or maybe once you break your magic stick, it just becomes magic sticks. Right, like it's a it's a worm. It you know you cut it in half, two yeah. two fully formed ones grow. Boom, two worms. It's free worms, baby. <laughs> to get rid of you, get worms. Cut them in half. Cut those worms in half. Keep doing that until you have a lot of worms. Sell worms for profit. A worm farm, baby. Yeah. There's got to be a limit to that. Right? Yeah, there's got to be a certain amount of worm that can't regrow itself. I got infinite worms, man. You want worms? I got them. I got worms, baby. Check them out. All right. Um, yeah. 
Is there anything else exciting about this version, Alex? Is there anything else exciting? Um, you can kind of hear that he starts the solo at the end, and it fades out on that solo. Yeah. But that was kind of like... Like, they usually play, I think, that second part, the Gypsy Queen part, um, if I ever hear it on the radio or something. So yeah, like that was it's... the version that I knew. So this kind of ends soon, and it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a. Yeah, I I because like primarily it's pretty, know pretty this song ending. from rock, not rock band, yeah. but Guitar Hero Three. And yeah, oh, that's like right. the the instrumental section is a huge part of it. So, and and it, but we always talk shit about long <laughs> instrumental and solo sections. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what would happen. Yeah. I don't know. I thought, and, and like we often shit on medleys too, which this is. That's true. But, it 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 feels like it it fits them together very well. I think I said that already. But like, yeah. I and I've always known it as one song, but so many of the cover versions use that intro, and it feels mm-hmm. very appropriate. Yeah, it's a. I think they solidly found, and there's enough of each song in there. Right. Well, I don't really know Gypsy Queen, but I assume two minutes is enough time to get. Uh, a lot of Gypsy Queen into there. <laughs> and so you do end up getting like t- essentially two full songs into a five minute, 20 second version rather than a lot of these medleys where it's, you know, maybe three minutes tops and you get about 10 seconds of fucking 60 songs. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? So yeah, Santana puts in a great effort. It's the re- version we all know. We don't have to talk like it's like we're pushing a rock up a fucking hill here. People will easily accept that the Santana version. You heard of the Santana guy? Little known song he does. Little known song. Called Black Magic Woman. With that, we're gonna move into the next cover by Percy Faith and his orchestra in 1971. And orchestra. He is known, Percy, Percy Faith is known for his lush arrangements of pop and Christmas standards. He's often credited with popularizing the easy listening or mood music format. He's born and raised in Ontario, so this is some Canadian content here. Yes, he's Canadian. Um, I, was, I was reading the Wikipedia page, and I read the line about easy listening or mood music, mood music. And then I was like, oh, so it's Muzak. And then there's like a line later on that was like, it's often confused with Muzak. <laughs> <laughs> like oh i guess not then uh, apparently this as opposed music is more um designed as a background as background music whereas easy listening or mute mood music is actually meant to be the focus of your evening okay but an easy interesting focus. um listen for enjoyment rather than as a background sound Right. Uh, so that's what this is. This is a version made for enjoyment. And Alex, did you enjoy it? You know what? I did enjoy it. You fucking would, too. <laughs> Piece of shit. No, I thought it was all right. Um, um, yeah, it's it's an instrumental version. Did you say that? I don't know. It's yes, maybe. I, um, orchestra, I think, maybe is implied. But right. yeah, it is an instrumental version, and none of this bullshit weirdness where voices come in halfway through to do backups. <laughs> it is fully instrumental. True. It's all instrumental. Um, it does, like, its own kind of intro. With, like, it sounds like like movie music. 
Yeah, it definitely sounds like a film score, almost like old ass Bond music, right? Yeah, Where they take the title theme and rework it into different parts of the movie. Yes, definitely. Yeah, a little bit of that like John Barry orchestra stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, when and and this version, I think when I heard the bass line in the intro, I was, like they kind of do that with the original bass line with the new intro stuff. Like that was where I was like, oh yes, this bass is important. Yeah, you. Uh, this is where you start to realize how prominent that bass line is. Because, yeah, it was in Santana's. Yes, it was in the original. But and then they kind of it, isolate it here mm-hmm. a little more. And it's like, yeah, that's, like, distinctive. That I know what I'm listening to now. Yeah. Um, and then... So, yeah, and they have some other stuff around that. Like, there's, like, horn swelling and um, this, like, kind of fluty, like... Yeah, the flute like sort of takes down. the place of that uh, that initial guitar strum. Oh yeah, like your, I your, your... This is weird, because I listened to this one thinking it came before Santana first, and then I realized it was the year after, and that yeah, explains it, it does a lot of the Santana choices. Stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I'm at the, like, the one, I think at 116 it starts maybe, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's basically, like the drums in particular hit a very uh, Santana like rhythm style as we start to get this organ solo. Um, a lot of the percussion throughout it kind of sounds like just this big woodblock getting hit, and that is, uh, that's pretty much a, a rip from the Santana version. There's a big mm-hmm. emphasis on that beat. Yes, that woodblock <laughs> goes throughout. Yeah. Uh, so they also, their, um, melody, vocal melody, their vocal melody gets moved to the strings. Mm-hmm. Um. It's very, like, high and sharp. Yes, and there's a lot of, like, other kind of orchestral ornamentation around that, kind of similar to the kind of little, like, guitar licks that you would get around the lyrics in the Santana version. Yeah. But in, in you know, the orchestra vein. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's uh like this does read in the same way that the movie ad- adaptation of a book loses some of that quiet charm for more like big stage presence. Mm-hmm. I think I think maybe this gets the same effect where it's it's not quite the uh, the moody piece that the first two have presented, but it is like it's still got some charm to it. Yeah, I agree. It's the like they're playing for the back of the theater or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. on this song, which is very different from its, like, original kind of creepy blues feeling. Um, but it sounds cool. Like, they got a neat organ sound. Neat, like, do some do an organ solo. And, yeah, it's it's different, but it still feels like old-school cinema. Uh, it, which is different, but I still think it's cool. Yeah, it's they've pulled it on a something that I, I'm you and I and maybe maybe not everybody, but we find that quite in, like enjoyable, quite listenable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they found at least for us a good niche to bring this song into. And I mean, yeah, in a in a, in a song that is about because it is blues about improvisation, they do some fun things with it. I really like that flute that comes back a little bit later on and does some just like. It's just like an effect almost. It's that. So you cut out when you did the thing. I don't. I I, it's it's like a. Hmm. Just get it that time. No, you cut out again. 
Um, <laughs> it's the Patriots, man. They're it's trying gonna, to censor it's gonna make me. you. Uh, yeah, they they don't want me to know. This it's it's a code sound. It's gonna like activate something in my brain. That's right. Manchurian Candidate style. Um, there was a thing I liked. Well, they kind of do. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another example of this. Um, like most of the song, you get the rhythm like. Um, and then right around 208, uh, they kind of do this like very sudden like go into four. four I mean it's four four, but like go into just like four straight, and they just have to bam 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 bam, and it's, yeah, these and they big, like punctuate everything. Hits. I think it's the you're turning my heart to stone line, um, and yeah, the drums punctuate just like each syllable, and then they just kind of like go back. Yeah, and then there's another organ solo. Yeah. That's what this song is, baby. It's organ solos. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of cool. Um, and I, yeah, I didn't miss the vocals that much. No, the vocals don't necessarily add a ton to it, I don't think. Yeah, I guess with the original piece being so, like, Peter, Peter Green, by his own, like, measure, is focused on emotional playing. Yeah, and this Percy Faith is known for mood music, which seems to be pretty adjacent to that. So, yeah, it's just like different ways of approaching kind of very similar things. Yeah. Um, anything else to say about this one, Alex? No, I, I imagine it's not for everyone, but like, I like the vibe. So if you're into that kind of like older cinematic music, check it out. Yeah, right on. With that, we're going to talk about the crown prince of reggae, Dennis Brown, in 1972. Yeah, this is another one of those cool moments when you like look up and you're like, who the fuck is this guy? He's probably nobody. And then it's like, Bob Marley said he was his favorite uh, singer. I'm like, oh. Yeah. And called That's him impressive. the crown prince of reggae. Um, and he's apparently very influential in the genre of reggae. So, right on, yeah. Dennis Brown. Sh- Shaggy sang at his funeral. Shaggy sang at his funeral. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Um, but what you actually need to know is that this is a reggae version of this song. Mm-hmm. Based in the Santana stream. Yeah, what makes it Santana? Um, there's some stuff at the very beginning where okay. he does the like. Bam, 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 oh, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's, it's that's like the slowed the way down. Um, or this slow down. I mean, it's still recognizable. Yeah, it's not like no, that one yeah. time with White Winter Hymnal where I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And it's like you listen to it at times two speed, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Um, yeah, was that. Do you speed it up or slow it down for that to make sense? I think speed it up. I think you speed it up. Um, anyway, shout out, uh, throwback. Shout out to our White Winter Hymnal episode. Yeah, great episode. Um, and, yeah, so it's not that slow, but it's reggae slow, you know? It's slower. Yeah. And this um, also has the uh, the unintentional lo-fi, similar to the Peter Green version. Right, Green just Pula because Mac. it's older technology. Um, and you kind of get, I think, just because a lot of that earlier reggae was produced on, like, probably older equipment or, you know, um, it's not as advanced as you might get from 
Oh yeah, something that Jamaica was has never yeah. been known as a wealthy yeah. nation, as far as I know. Yeah, so it's not as like high fidelity as something you would get in 1972 from like the UK. Yeah, uh, for example. Um, so it's it kind of keeps in with that, and you, the guitar particularly does have like a very um, high um, trebly sound to it, uh, but at the same time. The bass is actually very, very low. Similar to in the original, you get that really like that split between like the drums and the bass being very low and the and the guitar being actually quite high. Yeah. Frequency. Um, there's also a little bit of piano in this one uh, and like a muted guitar, and they're kind of holding down the skank. Rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, those are like the main components. I think you kind of broke. It's very uh, like it's a very bare bones version. So you get a skank, you get the uh, that low bass and the guitar, um, you get Dennis Brown singing these things. Great! It's a, I like it when reggae actually goes like dark instead mm-hmm, of just mm-hmm. being like an upbeat version of a sad song. Yes, because I mean I guess that's something you get with ska a lot is, is like it's yeah. just like constantly upbeat, and that was kind of the first thing. Actually, one time I was having a conversation with someone trying to explain what ska was, and Will was also there. Or was it you? I don't remember. Someone was there, and they described it as upbeat music, and I was like, I hadn't necessarily thought of that specifically, because, like, I have hadn't... I had listened to Leska at the time, so I knew, like, the... The, like, um... Wow. Words are hard today. You knew um, real big fish. The, like, like, the academic definition of like right. well this is what you know it's a little faster than reggae and like it has this kind of rhythm and you might get these kind of instruments but like the idea that it was like very upbeat hadn't necessarily dawned on me that you you know but you listen to some ska punk go to a ska yeah. punk show it can be very upbeat um so yeah, yeah. kind of like that where, yeah, I this, still like, stand by the quote I mentioned on this show before where a guy says that ska music is what plays in a kid's head when he finds out he's getting extra mozzarella sticks that's right that's right uh, <laughs> I love that quote uh, um, but yeah this one keeps it pretty dark and um, they also play like this uh, descending pattern on the guitar yeah and then sometimes it'll like it won't pause in between yeah um that's kind of another thing they do for rhythm yeah and it it all sounds like i think like i think the lo-fi filter on this again unintentional but it like it really adds a layer to this that i like yeah i really like the vibe on some of the older stuff Mm -hmm. because of that that feeling i mean the like of the four we've talked about i've mentioned it on three of them so <laughs> yeah I, yeah i think like yeah it's uh it's just a sometimes it works really well and these are all examples of that yeah so this is like a pretty good reggae version but it's also like pretty straightforward similar to like how the other one's like pretty straightforward blues song this one just takes that and like moves it into reggae but this is apparently yeah. the crown prince of reggae. Like, he's making reggae, and reggae... This is fairly early in reggae's existence, right? Uh, I'm going to say I, yes. I don't I, have the authority to really late, back that up. originated in Jamaica in the late 60s. Okay, so yeah, like, so this is early. It's only a few years in. So, like, this is 
kind of part of defining reggae. Mm-hmm. And it does that. It's very reggae. Yeah. Now, there is one lyric change I noticed. Uh-huh. Uh, where he says, you might belong to my magic sticks. Not sure what to make of that. I, I've, I have not the slightest. <laughs> I think it's around 126. And, of course, at the time, potentially more difficult to get a lyric sheet. Could have just been a misunderstanding of the recording. Yeah, I mean, I guess if we accept magic sticks as penis... It might, you might belong to my magic sticks. Is like this might be. Don't turn your back on me, because this. I know this is your evil and shit, but this might be a good fit. Yeah, like, my the, my dicks the, will own literal you. sense. Like. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah you right, might I'm belong following. to my magic sticks. Yeah, maybe we might be a thing, you know. A little yeah, bit of so getting this, a little bit of fate in there. Yeah. And you're right, and this does mirror the structure of the original, where even at the like near the end. We get like an ad libbing segment where he kind of goes mm-hmm. off a bit, and and the the instruments go a little like different. That is true. Yeah, it changes up a little bit. Get a little more of that guitar. Yeah, similar to your blues groove segment at the end of the original. The rhythm doesn't change up quite as drastically, but there's definitely a different feeling for the outro. Yeah, and it fades out. It's all right. Um, anything else to say, Alex? Yeah. Um, if you just want this song, but also want to, like, mainline some reggae, check it out. Check it out. With that, we're going to move into Michael Coleman in 2000. He was voted one of the top 50 bluesmen by Guitar World Magazine. He's also a common name. Um, first mm-hmm. thing I got when I searched this was like some doctor guy. Yeah. And, and the, the second, second thing like was a fiddle player, isn't it? An Irish fiddler, yeah. yeah. That is a fiddle player, yes. Not a like, you know, not like the, the Who song fiddle about kind of Yeah, situation. Jesus. Um, let's move sharply from that. Uh, Coleman opens with a sort of bluesy solo jam on this. It's just guitar. Yeah, kind of like a rhythmic riff. Yeah. Because he sort of like mutes the rhythm and it's like... You know, if I wanted to do it with my mouth, which I did. Which actually reminded me, because in the Santana version, he was kind of going back and forth between that like rhythmic playing, more rhythmic playing, and like the lead licks. And this kind of does something very similar. Right. With a guitar playing. That's right, but there is uh there's no vocals on this, right? Yes, this is another instrumental version, but this is a blues instrumental version. Yes, this is your blues band instrumental. Um the bass line set up exactly the same as the original. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The uh the ro- we get to a more standard rock beat on this. Yeah, and they also have an organ, but it really just holds the chords. Yeah. For the most part. It gets a solo, but the rest of the time it's holding chords. Yeah, so like, everything here is really just to support Michael Coleman playing guitar. Yeah, I think it's a similar situation to 
the original was kind of just to support Peter Green playing guitar. Um, right. But he sang as well, I guess. So maybe a little less. But um, yeah, it's very focused on, on kind of the lead guitar playing. Because it's also playing, like, it's doing the vocal part. Yeah. I wonder if, and I'm I'm just saying words, but Peter Green was focused on this. I'm, I keep pulling this up on emotional playing. I wonder if he only used his vocals as like a crutch to kind of clue people into the emotion of the guitar. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I would be tempted to say that if he wanted to release it as a single or whatever, it would probably be a lot easier to get picked up if as a blues group if you were also yeah. singing i i don't know if that's true i don't know and he's a singer Sounds songwriter right. so obviously he is accustomed to singing I, i'm maybe painting him as some sort of lunatic uh, who who is like obsessed with finding a way for guitars to replace vocals but i don't i don't think that's actually the case he's like hey look how shitty these vocals are <laughs> Why don't we just play guitar instead? Wouldn't it be better if everything was guitar? Simmer right. down, Peter Green. Well, this is the song that answers that question. Is it better? No. No, it's not. It's not better. Um, he seems to be a pretty good guitar player. Yeah, I'd call him like top 50 bluesman. Yeah, like top 50 or 60. Definitely. Yeah. Um, five for sure. There's a lot of... This is... This is there's a lot of soloing in this. It's a longer version. It's close to five minutes. Um, it feels a lot like, um, you know, when we talk about jazz versions and say, well, they're soloing again. Yeah. However, either I am more sort of accustomed to blues music and therefore more willing to accept this format, or it's just straight up more cohesive throughout. It feels right. a lot more together than something you get from some jazz jazz versions and i think in jazz there might be a little bit more um temptation or motivation to try to make what you're doing different right um than you would get in the blues and it can lead to some like wild tangents in the in the soloing and i think this doesn't have that problem it it sticks it's much more focused with its sound. It it fits together yeah. a lot better. The, yeah, the tone of the instruments very much scream blues regardless of the notes they play. Yeah. Yeah. And so since the, the vibe is established on this song, it's you can kind of more comfortably solo and maybe pull off bolder moves while still being under the umbrella of the song. Maybe. It's always tough for me to say. Like, I was here about best solos or whatever lists of best solos or something like that um mm -hmm. i often find it difficult to rate because like someone will say that and 99 percent of the time i won't disagree with them that it's good but i don't necessarily know why it's like top five yeah I never, but i guess it, I it's kind of personalized too so there are definitely times i'm like this solo amazing for me yeah, but, it might be easier if you wanted to take a more like balanced approach to that. Look at articles that say like best solo artists, like best artists who perform solos regularly. Right, and then you can kind of look at the trends and why this and that is good. Mm-hmm. Kind of see what it is that they do to a song that makes the solos so remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, is this remarkable? Maybe. But I, I know it sounds pretty good. However, I don't know if I would come back to it. Nah, it's like I'd be quite happy to see, and again, Blue's live. I'd be quite happy to see this live. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like he, the organ does some cool, like, rolls on it. Or it's like, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is fucking rad. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I always like an organ solo. Yeah. But in terms of coming back to it, it's I'm certainly not going to be like, oh, I want to listen to Black Magic Woman. Time to load up Michael Coleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I almost wonder if it feels like sometimes I might just have a, a, a bit of a bias against, like, modern-sounding blues. Because mm. the old stuff... I don't know. I just it's it sounds old. Like we've been talking about how they sound old, and that's cool. This is the first one that really doesn't sound old. Yeah, this sounds very modern. So do I have just this bullshit bias towards sounding old? Probably. Yeah, and it's uh, well, the thing with blues is it's just a step away from being that weird rockabilly culture, which I really fucking hate. <laughs> Right, modern blues. Where, where you're jerking off a bygone era with no, with nothing added to it. It's shooting dust in my face. Is this version just dust in the wind? Perhaps. All it is is dust in the wind. I mean, yeah, maybe. It's yeah. I like it more than I like rockabilly shit. But I know. But that might just, yeah. It sounds, it, it sounds fine to me. It sounds fine to me. It might be close. It might be pretty adjacent to that. Yeah. I'm, I'll admit, yeah, I'm a little undecided about that. Yeah, I'm going to leave it up in the air. Maybe we will we'll decide it later in this episode or at a future date, but something to think about. The next thing we're going to think about is Pink Turtle in 2010. Got the black magic woman. Black magic woman. Got the black magic woman. Black magic woman. I've got a black magic woman, got me so blind I can't see that she's a black... Pink Turtle. Um, I was having a little trouble finding specific info on them, but they seem yeah, to be French. Um, yeah, they're a uh, French jazz band, maybe Swing, because one of their albums is entitled like Pop and Swing. Um, yeah. They've either disbanded or they're no longer with the the label they were under. Because right, because there was a link to their website and they're not yeah. listed on the website they linked to. <laughs> yeah, so we did essentially the exact same research. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, we've encountered bands like this before. We have. We have. Uh, where they basically do, like, jazz covers. Um, yeah, and this is a very, like, showy kind of jazz. It's very upbeat. It is very upbeat, uh, kind of more like room filling uh, sort of deal. Yeah, we we had a brass section on this, mm-hmm. um, um, and it is very jazzy. Vocals. Like it, it opens up with this like dat, 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 like kind of staccato piano, and yep. then the horns start to do the intro, like the Gypsy Queen intro. Yeah, from the Santana version. That's right. And then after that happens for a little bit. You actually get the vocals coming in, and I, they felt like very, like you're singing very gingerly. Like yeah. It's, it's very, I guess it's staccato, but it's like very, he's like kind of 
carefully stepping uh, over like all these words. Like a gentle staccato. Yeah. I got a black magic, black magic like, woman. Also, he's got a bit of an accent, whatever. Like he's yeah, a bit, and that's that was part of how I could confirm it was French. Besides their French language on their <laughs> right. Facebook page. Right. Yeah, he. Uh, it's almost like he's putting in the the bare minimum of like literal energy to to say the words. It's like he's trying to sing efficiently. Kind of, yeah. It feels like it's holding back a bit. And um, then, yeah, he's punctuated by I would like a, a chorus of women. Yeah, they have the backups from uh, some female singers. So there appear to be seven men in this group. One of whom is wearing shorts. Classic look. Um, although, and I was, I don't think this is a direct uh, reference. Now, this feeling, uh, or bap words, bap. this version has a little bit more of like that Latin sound that you get from the Santana version, uh, which also itself had kind of more like jazz influences so it's kind of like a less of a leap from that version to this version but because of that it ends up sounding kind of more like a, um like a buena vista social club situation okay yeah like a like a uh cuban um salsa song right um i'm pulling some of that from the like the percussion right now there's yeah, a, uh... the way, kind of like the horns too, even, I mean, no, not really the way he sings, never mind. No, but yeah, like, so those horns and, so and the, uh, like, not like typical Western rhythms. Right, which probably, and I didn't check directly, but like either come from or inspired by the Santana version. Right. I mean, yeah, I would imagine. So we're in 2010. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, how could you not be inspired by the Santana version? Like a little. Bro, I, I'm inspired by the Santana version every day. Every day. Don't wake up to um, that shit. But I listen. To he it. says you just might pick up my magic sticks. Yeah. So that that sounds just like now we're picking up sticks. That's or just, is that like okay, you might give me a sticks. boner? You might pick it up with your hands. Pick it up. Pick it up. T- pick it up. Pick it, it up. Touch my magic stick. Maybe it's. Uh, I think that line above all else has confused most cover artists. Yeah, it changes a lot and like rarely makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this one, I mean, it's a jazzy version. There's a saxophone solo. Yes. Right. There, there is. is um. During that saxophone solo, check out 140. We okay. shop channel. Kind of. Oh yeah, with the piano coming yeah, in there. Yeah, like bam, 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 bam. Yes. So then, and then that's the solo. It's part of the solo. The piano's doing whatever. Uh, they come in for that third verse, and during that third verse, like this muted trumpet comes in, and then it later gets its own solo. So kind of. Bring the thing in and then let it solo. Weird that it's not there earlier, but I don't know. Yeah, but that's uh, I guess maybe that's just their technique for uh, like building interest. Yeah, like, it's not no, that big a deal. Trumpet. Sometimes like, well, you didn't introduce me to the idea. Let me try to say that again. That all ran together. <laughs> I'm gonna breathe a little bit. It was so, efficient like, speaking. All the words came out at once. I just <laughs> can't understand them. 
Uh, you didn't introduce the ideas early on, so they're a little confusing when they come up later. Like, fuck off me. Like, <laughs> it just is a sound they made. Um, so, yeah, there's a muted trumpet. It yeah. solos. It solos. We also get, after that solo, I think we move into the guitar solo right, at about 322. Guitar. There's a guitar, and it's actually quite distorted. More than I would expect for a jazz song. Yeah, it's definitely trying to trying to Santana. Yeah, yeah, it's got that Santana thing going on. You know, with electric guitars. Um, and then the next section... Oh, right, it's, it's more bluesy sounding, I guess, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of blues rock. There's also... Like a call and response on the horns in the next section. So there's a lot of like different things going on. It really like moves through a lot of stuff, um, which compared to the other versions is quite different. Because for the other ones, mostly it's solos. You know, Mm -hmm. you do your blues, you solo in the blues frame, and then you do some more blues, and then you solo. You know, this one has more like different things flying at you. Yeah, it's like different sections almost. It's like we're going to like compose the instruments this way here. They're going to switch up to be like this here. We'll add this here, subtract this. Mm-hmm. It's more about arrangement than it is about giving uh, certain players a highlight. Yeah, so then... Yeah, so, so this particular section, call and response with the horns, about four minutes in. Kind of like do a little guitar lick, and the horns will be like... And then you do a little guitar lick, and then, you know... Back and forth. Yeah. And then that pulls us into sort of the ending segment around 4.30 where the backup vocals come back in and say Black Magic Woman a few times as the instruments play us out. So this version, still very instrumental focused. Like like we said, the, even the lyrics are like pretty low energy when they do mm-hmm. come in. Um, and then they get to do their soloing. But this is... Uh, again, a similar but different vibe. Um, I actually liked this one. Yeah, it actually came out okay. It's, uh, I mean, the vocals are, I don't know, they're there. They're not stellar by any means. I think the backup vocals were a nice choice. Yeah, it's probably the weakest part of the song, but they don't really focus on that very much. Um, they keep a lot of the kind of Latin aspects of the Santana version, um, and some of that Gypsy Queen. Excuse me. Um, segments, uh, and then make it a little more jazzy. Yeah, it's a definitely a like a, a a reasonable take on this song, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, we're gonna move to Mark Bodino in 2012. Got a black magic woman. Got a black magic woman. I got a black magic woman, got me so blind I can see. Mark Bodno? Uh, Sometimes I think I know how a name is pronounced until I get to the And then you say it out loud, you're like, fuck, vowels. Too many. Three Um, vowels. currently in the band Broken Darling, who describes their music as more deep than most rock and harder than most folk. Which is that? Which okay. somehow he's he's got a statement like that in his Spotify description. He's only the second most like up their own ass musician we're gonna talk about today. Uh, he also claims um to be 
very versatile as a singer. Oh, yeah. Oh, here's my favorite quote from his uh, Spotify performance. His performances have been well-received in a variety of settings, ranging from pubs, bookstores, coffee houses, art exhibits. Yeah. So small venues. Small venues. Mostly. Um, he plays <laughs> in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, mostly. Um, okay. Also, I learned that New York is not a part of um, New England. Learned that today or yesterday. Oh, what is it a part of? Um, it... I don't know. Well, New England is like north of New York. Right. Wasn't well, New York part of. Is New York also a state? Isn't that why it's New York, New York? Yes. I mean, the state is not part of the region you would consider New England. Right. Turns oh, out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah, meant the yeah, state, yeah. state. Yeah. New York State, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Right, New England's a little, a little more south, right? Um, of it's oh. north of New York. It's north of New. Oh shit! Yeah, Man, I know. I know it, fuck there's all so much the like states. stuff crammed together up there. Right. So, well, you anyway, know what I always but say. I think I've been referring to New York as New England, and I think I have as part of New England, and I think I have in the past in the show. So I'm just setting the record straight. Here we go. Finally, one person somewhere. It's part of the like, like Northeast so United right States. Now. Yep, one person. They're like, thank you, Alex. Fuck. Ah, finally, got his shit together. Ah, Alex, Mark Patino. This is uh, acoustic. This is a solo acoustic version, I think. Yeah. Now he's like a classical uh, guitar player guy, so I don't know if there's one or two guitars here. Yeah. But uh, it all could, depends on how skilled we think Mark Bode is. Yeah, he might be uh, able to play like that. Uh, I can't tell, and I don't really know enough about guitar sounds to say whether you would need a second guitar for this. I, I'm leaning towards it's just one, but I also had a moment listening to it where I was like, mm, might be two. Yeah, so that's impressive in itself. Um, the guitar tone is fairly... I, like, it's a little dark, but very brassy still. Yeah. So, cool. Um, he opens with that Santana stuff. He kind of, like, plays his own rhythm. The... Yeah. And then plays the Gypsy Queen intro. Yeah. And at, I think at about 225, he switches back to that Gypsy Queen vibe. Right, like... For the outro kind of section? Yeah. Um, so this is like, this feels like the full album Santana version condensed into three minutes and done acoustically. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, I, I'm always a little biased um, against solo acoustic versions of songs. This one's pretty decent. Yeah. Did you notice that right near the end there, if you go like maybe 255, the last few notes sound like the start of Time Stand Still by Rush? I did not notice that, but I am going to check it out now. I might be wrong. I might be crazy. Which part? 255? Uh, yeah, I might be full of it. What's the sound? I'm listening for it now. I was maybe just not listening closely. Okay, I think I know what you mean. <laughs> when he plays the like... Yeah, still, yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. We got. I there. did not notice that. Well, 
I did. And that's what matters. Um, in the turn, don't turn your back on me segment. I think he misses the word "don't" yeah, on the first two. On the first like three. Yeah, yeah. And then he throws it in the last one. And then when he actually goes back, I think, and does it again. Does he do it again? That happened. No, I must be thinking of something else. But yeah, this one was uh, to me fairly unremarkable. It's a pretty standard acoustic. Yeah, cover. it's like very straight, very straight cover. It's not bad. There seems to be some skill or another person involved. Um, or, you know, overdubbing. Yeah. So, it's fine. Yeah, way to go, Mark. We're going to move on to 2015 to talk about Sweet Baby J. I'm a black magic woman. I'm a black magic woman. Yes, I'm a black magic woman. I'll make you so Sweet Baby J, which, um, if you want to translate to English directly, Sweet Baby, I have. Um, more sweet like baby, I have. Sweet Baby, Je suis un noir, am I right? Yeah, fucking. Because yeah. this version is different, and Sweet Baby J um sings this song as the black magic woman. i just want it to be first known we got to talk about her bio here a little bit i don't know if you visited her website which looks like it's from the 90s and says she's one of the greatest singers of all time so in say in, yeah in both that web page and this this spotify bio she really wants people to know that her uncle vernon gower played with billy holiday and uh, she seems to cite that as one of the reasons that she got into music it's, I mean, that's not how anything works. It's Vern- not how this works. Yeah, but did you know that her uncle Vernon Gower played with Billie Holiday? I know, it's just like, like, it's I, the only example I have of this, and it's, my dad might have met Nathan Fillion once, like, before Nathan Fillion was famous, oh. but I still don't have that's charm you're an or an acting career. <laughs> so it's just like... Well, what's your excuse? Yeah, exactly. It I, works I, for I, sweet baby Jay. Yeah, clearly. Anyway. F- and it's just by five, she was writing songs. Let's see those songs. Release the songs, Sweet Baby J. I want to see what hot shit you were writing when you were five. You want to fucking brag about it. <laughs> fucking throw down. All right. Good. Ugh. Yes. Um, by eight, she sneaked into clubs to watch her father perform. That doesn't make you a better musician, Sweet Baby J. That's not how this fucking works. Ugh. <sighs> <sighs> Uh, all right, I'll let it out. All right, I'm glad. Um, Let's tear this shit she apart. is apparently yeah. has apparently been inducted into the California Jazz and Blues Museum Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, she's been called a living legend by like the mayor of Los Angeles or some shit. So depending on which mayor, that might be impressive. I have Probably no. The worst I don't know mayor is just my guess. Probably. Um, uh, so. Let's see here. So this starts with piano and a cymbal roll. And like you mentioned, she changes the lyrics so that she is the black magic woman. She is. Which makes, um, and she says, don't try to take the devil out of me. Um, But this makes the second verse a lot weaker. Because she says, don't turn your back on me, baby. And it's like, that's basically like, hey, wait, don't go. No, No, stop. I I, I swear to God, I'm, I'm charming. It's like, okay. That's the spell. You just have to repeat. The line over and over again. Like, no, don't, don't turn your back on me, baby. And then they can't. 
And then she threatens to pull out her magic stick, which I guess, congratulations on the most sensible, like, change the lyrics. Absolutely. A a, a witch might have a wand. We got there. We got there, people. Or like a broom, maybe. Like a broom, yeah. Also a magic stick. Um, just a longer stick. Yeah. Less prone to breaking, though. Um, um she yeah. goes she goes more jazzy. She's got some similar like a little more jazzy on the drums. Um there's like a a cowbell on at least yeah. the verse. And she also yeah. has the uh like a I think it's a vibraphone. Okay, yeah. Playing throughout like the metal bars, hit metal bars kind of situation. Yeah, definitely noticed that. Um, yeah, and you get your classic, we get a piano solo. Yeah, super bright piano. Like, very, like, yeah. bright, twinkly piano. Yeah, so. this whole version is very bright. Mm-hmm. And then we shift from that piano solo to a guitar solo, and then from there, around the 215 mark, we shift to some some fucking scat. I know, I, I, I started that, and then I paused it, and I made a note. I was like, she's saying some words. Don't know what they are, but I'm going to figure it out. And I was like, oh, it's scatting. It's not words. <laughs> yeah, then she does, like, some scat. And then, like, there's a guitar playing, and then they kind of go together for a little bit. Scat. Yeah. Skip it up. Pop it up, pop it up, pop it up. And then it's, oh. um, this one has, like, a little breakdown section. It's, like, right around yeah. three minutes in. Um, you get the like, ooh, like vocals, right? Playing the guitar licks, and it's all like very symbol focused. And then there's this right. line where she says, "It's all black magic. Watch out! Watch out! Watch out!" Yeah, near the end, she whispers, "Watch out now!" And then her ending line is, "Because I'm black magic." And so well she may be. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a little more, I guess, positive spin on the song because. There's nothing insidious happening here. She's she's doing okay. She's just she does threaten to turn your heart to stone, though. Yeah, she does, but, like, she's fine. It's from her yeah. perspective. She's not worried. She's like, I can turn your heart to stone, whatever. I got magic. Specifically uh, black magic. This one feels in this like like a resume song, though, the same way we talk about YouTube stars doing that. Right, right. She tries to do as many different like vocal tricks and do as much of her vocal range as possible on this one piece. She double tracks on the 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 spell line. I'm gonna put a spell on you, and she she goes low. She does some whispering. She goes high. It's just like we get it. It's yeah, a lot. You're, it's a lot. You can sing. Yeah, I I definitely felt like it, it didn't go like super incoherent, like like I've been saying about some jazz versions. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fairly succinct. Yeah, it's a, it's a tame you know? four minutes and twelve seconds. Yeah, but... like the solos aren't totally out there. Yeah, so, except for the fucking scat solo. Scat solo, not a scat, not a scat. That's pretty short. It's short, but it feels like a lifetime. <laughs> and that's this version, pretty much. Yep, short feels like a lifetime. Was not <laughs> a fan of it. With that, we're going to move to the final one, Gregor Hilden and Richie Arndt in 2018. Two German blues guys. Got a black magic woman. Got a black magic woman. Yes, I got a black magic woman Got me 
so blind I can see. More blues guys. Um definitely can hear that there's two blues guys because there's like a a guy's picking and a guy who's strumming. Yeah, there's so I guess they're both guitars. guitarists. So um, this is kind of like the solo guitar version with specialty guitars. guitar shop. Yeah, that was like what I got when I Googled it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right, though. This is like a, a solo guitar version, but with two guys playing guitar. Yeah. Um, obviously, perhaps, they uh, go very close to the Santana version because they're guitar yeah. guys. I don't know. Santana's a guitar guy. You know? Yeah. They do that kind of Gypsy Queen intro um, with a lot of that kind of... in the, And then in the verse, it's kind of back and forth between the strumming and the picking. You know? Yeah. Strumming in the when they're singing and then picking between that. Yeah. And you got uh, some shaker doing the percussion. Just a little... Tick, 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 tick. Yeah. So, like, it's fairly simple because it just seems to be, like, these two guys maybe with a shaker guy, or maybe it's just tied around their leg or something. He seems to say, trying to put the devil out of me. Which is... Yeah. Which is something. <laughs> um, It's very laid back, this one. Like, the tone on the guitars is uh, not necessarily dark. It's just kind of clean and easy. Like... This is like two blues guys getting together, like, you know, jam? Like, yeah, look, jam. And they yeah. Jam. I don't really like the vocals that much. They sound kind of processed in yeah. that sort of, like, lazy way. I don't know. Let me yeah, this with you, just man. feels I... like two older dudes getting together, having a good time, and then being like, well, the recording came out clean. We'll fucking we'll put it out there. Straight up, I think I smell gas right now, and I'm not exactly sure how to respond to that. Um... Take a look around. So I'm gonna take a quick look around. Yeah, and, take a quick uh, look around. Get back to me. See it's, what uh... I can figure out. All right. So uh, I'll just be a minute. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna pee while you do this. Yeah. Alex. Hey. You live? What's, yeah, what's going live. on on your end? It's cool. Uh, Jake's just uh, Jacob is just barbecuing, and uh, my window is right above the barbecue, so. Some okay, so you propane just some gas from that, yeah. Came in, I guess. I just opened the door and I think it's it's airing out, so it's all good. Excellent. Yeah. Um, have we said everything we need to say about Gregor Hill and uh, Richie Arndt? Let me see. Um, they they do change a lyric. Um, they they say blow my magic stick. So, come on, guys. <laughs> they totally just yank off the subtlety. Yeah. They just they just tug the subtlety right out. Don't turn your back on me. I'm getting blue. <laughs> <laughs> so, not that there was a lot of subtlety before. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, and hey, they do a guitar solo. Yeah. By the time I got to this, I was just like totally done. Uh, me I mean, too, right? <laughs> I was like, sometimes and. and sometimes I wonder if I'm I'm harsher on the last version because I've you know gone through however many hours of listening to this song repeatedly. But I, think it, I like the last version sometimes, but this one was just, like, nothing. It yeah, boring. it was so, like, every I, other song had covered territory that it had done already. Mm-hmm. And when you come to this, you're like, oh, another one? Yeah. yeah. Two guitars. I was just kind of bored for this. And, like I said, I don't, 
I don't like the way they do the vocals. So yeah, truly, it was my fault for not catching the fact that uh, the the single version of Santana's is different from the album version. Because I would have rather just covered the album version and then just knocked this one off. I I would have accepted that. Yeah, I think yeah. it would have been better. Um, that said, let's get to our final verdicts. we got three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and the version of the song that might actually be singing about a witchy woman. That's hmm. right. That's, that's our categories today. Alex, what is the worst version of this and why? What is the worst version of this? I... Kind of stick with Gregor Hilden and Richie Arndt. Um, all the other versions like had something there. Whether it was, I mean, I even like Pink Turtle. I thought was decent in its kind of jazzy way. And Mark Bodino kind of had some neat guitar playing, which is or yeah, Mark Bodino. Um, but this one just like had nothing. Yeah, so, it's a it's a purely nothing version. Yeah. Um, solid choice. I'm going to go with Sweet Baby J because she is just so full of herself. And then you pull out this version and it's just... Ugh. Ugh. It's just that, yeah. It's just somebody very full of themselves doing their best to over and under sing everything as much as possible. And then chucking some scat, some fucking vibraphones and random shit. And it's just, ugh, it's just bad. It's just not very good. Yeah, just scat I it. I don't like it. Uh, Alex, the best version of this is... Best version? What is the best version of this? I don't want to say Santana. I mean, it's probably Santana, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I like some other ones, though. Did anyone really match Santana? Maybe Dennis Brown. But at the end of the day, it's probably Santana. He did the most to, like, bring this song to the world. And all yeah, the other and- versions after were based... On that, you know, I, I, we talk about these sometimes. I don't always think that that is the best version, but here it probably is. It probably is. It's it does a great. It's a great medley. It's uh, some good guitar playing. It's it's based in blues. Uh, Santana is a fan of you know Fleetwood Mac and Peter Green. Mm-hmm. Um, an interesting fact that I forgot to mention: the royalties generated by Santana's cover of this song. Uh, helped sustain Peter Green after he left Fleetwood Mac. Green Through his, like... Most, yeah. Yeah. Green gave most of his money away when he left the band and would have been destitute later in the 70s if he wasn't collecting royalty checks from this. From the Santana version. And, yeah, it sounds like he had some, some rough years there for a while. So. Yeah, he did go through uh, quite a, a rough period in the mid-70s. Um, yeah, so you know what? Like, I, I do like the Dennis Brown version. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I liked all the 70s versions of this song. Yeah, truthfully, the 70s was a great time to be covering Black Magic Woman. Which oftentimes, you know, though if they're grouped together, they won't be as distinct and they won't be as um, interesting. But this, they did a pretty good job. Yeah, it's, we managed to cover like somebody who, who shifts the, the song heavily with, uh, with Santana, who brings in these new elements. Mm-hmm. And then we, we had a, a good orchestra cover and then a good reggae cover. So two like, like kind of out there genres that really brought some great flavor to it. It was a good selection this week yeah. more than anything else. Yeah, and then the rest of it's like either blues or jazz. And it's like, yeah, we know what that is already. Yeah. Yeah, so I like as much as I'd like to to throw a bone Dennis Brown, if I, we're talking best, it has to be Santana. It's got, it's Santana be is Santana. the best version of this. Um, Alex, who's actually singing about a witchy woman? Who's actually singing? I think Sweet Baby J is. I think she's the most explicitly like, I am a woman with magic powers. 
Right, but she's not actually. She's just kind of witchy. Well, no, no one's actually a woman with magic powers. Uh, but That's there right. is the one. Uh, yeah, I guess. What do you got? Um, shit, Alex, you picked a good one. You picked a great one. Um, I'm gonna give it to Pink Turtle because the French. I don't know. They're the ones that say the line. They were. It says like they say like. They say it differently, don't they? They say you just might pick up my magic sticks. Yeah. More of a stick. Yeah, it's more stick focused, which is witch stuff. Stick less stick. Witches love sticks. We all know this to be true. We all know this to be true. So that's our final verdict. So you got a similar opinion, different opinion, or want to talk to us about a song we didn't talk about, or rather a cover we didn't talk about, hit us us up on Twitter. Hashtag CoverMePod, at JakeTheCressy, at SomeAlexWiseGuy. Um, be sure to email us as well, covermepod at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. We are disorganized. We would love to have people telling us what to do. Uh, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all of these other little teeny tiny podcast networks that you have to be on in order to get listened. And we're there. Review us on Apple Podcasts, because I think they're the ones who actually take reviews for some reason. It seems like a... Like an oversight. Seems to be the Regardless, one that mentioned, yeah. Anywhere you can review us, review us, tell your friends about us. You know the whole shtick. With that, we're going to jump into our bonus segment with a, a celebrating 100 episodes of Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about stuff. Um, Alex, if you could suggest one episode for uh, these fans who are advertised to their friends, one episode of Cover Me, one of a hundred for them to listen to one as a starter episode, 100. what would it be and why? Hmm. I think I have an answer for this, but I have to think about it. Okay. Give it a little thought. It's uh, got to be one of the guests. You know, just start at the beginning. It's yeah, it start at the beginning. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Uh, you know, it's only a hundred episodes that are all probably over an hour long. Um, hang on. What would be a good one to start with? Honestly? Okay. Good one to start with. First one, no guests. Sorry, guests. You're all great, and I love you all. But start with just vanilla. Start with Jake and Alex. Start with Boys of Summer. It's an old episode, but that was the episode where I felt like we started to kind of solidify what we were doing. Yeah, that one stands I felt, out as, like, yeah. hitting our stride. Yeah, as at least, like, the early stride. Mm-hmm. That was where I started to feel like I kind of knew what was going on and had a good time doing it, too. Yeah, it, it felt not only like we knew what the structure of the show was, but we, like, had just the right amount of fun doing it and actually, like, touched on some good... Like, it felt like we kind of touched on everything that an episode of Cover Me should be. Mm-hmm. And that's my answer. Uh, that's a great answer, Alex. I am scrolling through these to see if there is a, a better answer. Because I think my one problem with that is the audio quality isn't quite there yet. That's so true. we don't have the, the setup we have now. Um, I want to recommend, like, uh, probably an episode with John on it is a great one. Because we, we, we get great chemistry with John when he's on the show. Yes. So uh, John's good. Uh, honestly, another early one that I really liked was This Charming Man. I thought mm-hmm. we had some good stuff on there. Um, yeah. If you want to go, if you want a like temporal thing, um, in terms of, or yeah, check out check out when we had John on. Check out I'm in love with my car. Yeah, or under pressure. 
Oh, under pressure. Yes, I was like, I knew there was another one. Yeah, or the the don't check out don't as your first one don't check out the uh, the musical. We will rock you. No, yeah, that's probably not a good place to start. Also, yeah. Streets of Fire probably not a good place to start. Not a great even place though to I like start. to push that episode. Um, yeah, those are definitely some highlights. Yeah, I'd start out with like under pressure. I think that's a that's a good good starting point. Yeah. Yeah, Boys of Summer's good, too. Hit us up with your favorite Cover Me episode. We're never going to get any response on this one. <laughs> Hashtag Cover Me 100. Cover Me 100. Um, That's the episode this week, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone who isn't defined by those two words. Uh, as we always say on Cover Me, she's a black magic woman. She's trying to make an episode of Cover Me.